Good evening. Welcome to the midweek service. Uh, let's worship together, and then um, afterwards, uh, head downstairs, and uh, there'll be some dessert that we can uh, share together downstairs after the service. So uh, stand with me, if you would, and let's begin. The Lord Almighty, grant us a quiet night and peace at the last. Amen. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to herald your love in the morning, your truth at the close of the day. Please stay standing for the first hymn. our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Holy and gracious God, I confess that I have sinned against you this day. Some of my sin I know, the thoughts and words and deeds of which I am ashamed, but some is known only to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask forgiveness. Deliver and restore me that I may rest in peace. By the mercy of God, we are redeemed by Jesus Christ, and in him we are forgiven. We rest now in his peace and rise in the morning to serve him. Amen. You may be seated. Old Testament reading for this past Sunday uh, and the sermon text for tonight is from Malachi uh, 3, uh, verses 1 through 7b. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. 
Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker and his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you've turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Epistle reading is uh, from Titus 2. For the grace of God has appeared, Paul says, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. From 
uh, Matthew 11. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. And if you would, flip over to the uh, Old Testament reading, and we'll look at that for a few minutes together. It's a classic uh, Advent text. This is uh, one of the texts that uh, one of the songs in the Messiah is uh, based around. It's, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the classic themes in Advent is this uh, preparing the way. And, uh, you know, Pastor Lang on Sunday talked about this being, you know, engineering language. Uh, th- this notion that God isn't living with his people. God is absent. But he's coming back to his temple in Jerusalem. And let's prepare the way for him. Let's build up, the, you know, let's fill in the valleys to raise up the road. Let's, you know, cut the niche in the big hills so that the roads can be level. So that God can return home. And this text fits right in with that theme here. You know, the, the classic, Behold, I send my messenger. And he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. But by, by the time of Malachi's day, he'd been for uh, 200 years, the temple had been gone, absent, blown up by the Babylonians. And this longing for God to return back home and live with us again is, is, is embedded deep within the heart of every observant Jew, including uh, all the people that Jesus ministered to and talked to. And this notion that at some point in the future, God is going to come back here into Jerusalem and set up shop again is at the heart of Advent hope for them and for us as well. But in a different way, of course, because we know that when the Lord whom they seek does suddenly come to his temple, it's actually Jesus coming, who is the temple, doing everything the temple did. But this is a classic Advent text, and it's always good. You know, part of Advent is looking forward to the second coming, reflecting on how the people in the Old Testament were looking forward to the first coming. Part of Advent, of course, too, is our prayers daily, hopefully if you're you know, halfway aware of, of, of God being a real thing in our, in our existence. You know, our prayers that God would fix things, that God would come and make himself real, that he would, uh, you know, that he would put rubber to the road and, and like, make things new, to renew things. And whether it's, you know, this is, this is the heart of our prayers for good health, like God, come and do something, like rescue me, take away this pain or take away this disease. It's at the heart of our prayer for, you know, fix the relational problems we have. Here, you know, frequently, Advent, Advent prayers focus on the sin that's outside of us. Like, we live in a broken, fallen world. And when you look at the, you know, when you look at environmental disasters or when you look at the screwed up political scene in the United States or all over the world, when you look at, you know, bad economic policies or whatever, you know, the prayer, when you look at like the, the, the crime in your neighborhood, whatever it is, the prayer is like, God, come and fix this stuff. It's a totally appropriate prayer. It's, in fact, it's their prayer here. And, and I, I made a mistake in putting this reading in the bulletin. I should have filled it out a little bit because the verse right before our reading in chapter 2 uh, goes like this. Um, the people are saying, everyone who does evil is, this is why they're wanting the Lord to return because this is their burden. Everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. And they're asking, where is the God of justice? That's the line right before our verse, 
are our text. Where is the God of justice? God, where are you at? Come and fix all the bad stuff that's going on out here. The evil people, good stuff is happening to, good stuff is happening to them and bad stuff is happening to us. And, and of course, this is a totally appropriate prayer. I, I've talked about this in here before. I don't want to beat, beat this horse too much, but there's so many psalms. I think just recently we talked about Psalm 73 a little bit in here. There's so many psalms where the psalmist is saying, God, what's going on? Like, I, I, I faithfully serve you, and one after another, bad things happen to me. And meanwhile, here I am, I'm looking, looking around on Facebook, and you know all the people I see on Facebook who reject you and don't believe in you and are running away from you, they're living these wonderfully happy, financially successful lives. They're attractive, and they've got money, and they look super happy. You know, God, where are you? And the, the, our Advent prayers frequently start with this recognition of the sin that's outside of us. Like I say, that's totally appropriate because there is sin outside of us. There is sin in the world. But the situation here is a, it, God, God does not treat their prayer in Malachi 2, verse 17, the same way that he treats the psalmist's prayer in Psalm 73. And there's a couple different reasons for that. One is that in the Psalm 73, the psalmist is complaining to God because the psalmist believes that God is the one who has the power to fix things. And to go to God and say, God, I don't know what you're doing. I I'm confused. Like, uh, I'm, I'm starting to doubt you. The psalmist in Psalm 73 says, I feel it feels like my feet are slipping. God, I need you to do something. That's, it's one thing. That's totally appropriate prayer to pray to God. God, I don't understand what you're doing. I'm confused. I'm a little bit upset. Help me out. This prayer here is different. This is a different prayer. In Psalm 217, they say, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. What they're doing is they're saying, they're going to God, not as the one who has the power to heal, but they're going to God as the one who's causing the evil. They're coming to God not as the one who is the cure to evil, but as the one who's the cause to evil. They see that bad things are happening into the world, and I don't know if this is sarcastic or not, but they say, well, God must like evil. The evil people must be on God's side, and we, try, we thought we were supposed to be on obeying him, and we're not. Maybe it's sarcastic. Maybe it's just flowing out of this deep pain that nothing's going our way. But it takes God, and it makes him the author of evil. And God stops him short. It also doesn't recognize, too, and this is maybe the big thing here in our text tonight. It doesn't recognize, it does, it does a great job of recognizing the sin outside of us. It does a poor job of recognizing the sin inside of us. And all of our Advent prayer has to take into account both of these things. The prayer, come Lord Jesus, is not just come God and fix everybody else. It's come God, fix everybody else, and fix me too. And they're not praying that prayer. And so God calls them on this. Look at verse two. You know, you're the, the Lord whom you seek, you want him to come. He's suddenly going to come to his temple. But, verse 2, who can endure the day of his coming? You think that the day of the Lord's coming is going to be all peaches and cream. And you're going to get to sit back and see everybody else get their comeuppance. But when God comes, when we pray, God, come and do a mighty work to rescue us, what we're asking for is what, verse 2, that, 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 that prayer, you should definitely, we should definitely make that prayer. God, come and rescue us. But we should do it with circumspection because what we're actually praying for when we pray, God, come and rescue us, is not just taking care of the sin outside of us, but taking care of the sin inside of us as well. The primary problem is not them, whoever them is. The primary problem is me. Who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller soap. 
and he's going to refine and clean me. I was, uh, I mean, this is a common problem to, you know, we all do this. We easily recognize the sin and the brokenness outside of us, but not the sin and the brokenness inside of us. And like a moron, I was looking at Twitter today, and um, so, somebody, I don't even, it's not somebody I follow, but somebody I do follow commented on this person's post. This person, it's a Christian person, I guess, posted and said this line, I'm just starting to realize, this had, by the way, this has nothing to do with the sermon, okay? It's just an example. Uh, I, I, he, the person said, I ju- I, I'm just coming to realize that St. Paul is the false teacher that Jesus was warning us about. Well, now this goes back. This goes back like several hundred years. This is a classic. This is a very, very uh, eighteen hundred years ago. Uh, German theologians were saying, you know, Jesus presented this pure version of pure religion, and then Saint Paul comes and like mucks it up with all of his like uh, stoicism and his bad Greek philosophy. So this is as old as the hills. But you know, when, when I see somebody say something like this, you just I just roll my eyes so hard, you know, because it's clear. I mean, the clearly. When you get to the bottom of anybody like that, they're really not interested in Jesus either. Somebody, uh, this will, uh, somebody else posted on in response to this person. Yeah, it's, you know, basically, I agree with you. Anytime somebody tells you you're not your own, which is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, they are not your friend. So, see what this is. Paul says, You're not your own. You've been bought with the blood of Christ. But that's actually the, our postmodern sweet dream is that we are our own. I'm the, I'm the captain of my own fate. And so they're saying, well, any, anybody who would tell you that you don't belong to yourself shouldn't be listened to, right? And then one of the people I follow posted something snarky on there about whatever, I don't know. So anyway, I'm rolling my eyes, and I'm like, this is just nonsense. And of course it is. It's absolutely nonsense. And, and like I said, the people here who post that, they're not, they're not really interested in Jesus either. They're not really interested in anybody who would claim to be the way, the truth, and the life. It's just kind of, just, it's just basically foolishness, like, Book of Proverbs level foolishness and it's nonsense. But, and it's totally appropriate to say that too. But I found myself getting sort of worked up and, 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 and stopping and, and not reflecting on the fact. So what I don't want to do is I, I need to call that out. Not, it's not important even in the sermon tonight. It wasn't, wasn't that important. But as I was sitting there in my office, I was thinking, okay, I need to be against this. However, I do not need to be distracted from my own bad practices and my bad thoughts. It's very, very easy to see Twitter nonsense for what it is. It's much, much harder to repent of Aaron Miller nonsense, even though it's just as nonsensical and foolish. I have the same thing, again, I, I, I give you guys this example once a month, right, you know? Like, how many times have I told my kids, have I raised my voice to my kids to tell them don't raise their voice? How many, how many times have I yelled at my kids to not lose their temper? You know, it's very, very easy to see my kids' sins, but not my own. Come, Lord Jesus, fix these kids. Well, okay, he's going to. That's what Jesus does. But he's coming for me first thing. He is a refiner's fire. And he's like fuller soap. And my prayer, like, God, fix my family. You know, what's wrong with Aaron Miller's family? Aaron Miller. What's wrong with St. James Lutheran Church? Aaron Miller. What's wrong with our country? It's not them, it's me. What's wrong with the LCMS? Aaron Miller is what's wrong with the LCMS. Now, is there other people in the LCMS or in our country or in my family? Does Angela need to do the same process? Well, sure she does, right? But like it's not, I, I can't, before God, I, I, I will walk with her through this process. I can walk with us through the process. I can be a faithful Lutheran member through the process. But when it comes right down to it, I can't be like, well, what's wrong with the LCMS? The problem is me, and when God comes to redeem the LCMS, which he's done by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, 
is in the process now of doing this and is finally going to do it when he returns to the last day with LCMS or my family or St. James Lutheran Church. He's actually, this is what, this is where the painful parts for me is going to be here. I don't, I, I'm actually not going to get to sit back and enjoy God finally fixing my kids. My because I'm going to be too busy going through the refiner's fire myself. The problem is me. But so Advent prayer, recognize the sin outside of us, recognize the sin inside of us. The good news of the gospel, though, is we also have to recognize the help that's coming from outside of us. And this is a great line here to go back to verse two. Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? He's like a refiner's fire and like fuller soap. When God comes to do the radical surgery that it takes to repair Aaron Miller, does he come as like some sadistic torture? Is he gonna cut into me to get the sin out of me because he likes to see me hurt? Is he gonna put me through the refiner's fire because it gives him pleasure to burn me up? No, when God comes to fix me, and whatever he uses to do that, and it's gonna be different for all of us, it's going to be to refine me. It's going to be to perfect me. It's going to be to make me, it's going to be to answer the prayer, come Jesus and fix everything. And whereas I thought that that was all of you guys that needed fixing and not me, it turns out that it's me. But when God comes and does it, it won't be to punish me as his child, it will be to perfect me. It will be to, pre to, to present me to himself spotless, to present me to you guys spotless on the last day. One of the great ways that we get at this, and, and I'm almost done here, is that, you know, who, who, is, G, who is God in this uh, paradigm? It's, he is like, look, look at the end of verse two. He's like a refiner's fire and like fuller soap. Well, let's read verse three too. He will sit as a refiner and purifier. For, so who is, who is God here? He's the refiner, right? He's the metallurgist who's perfecting us. But he's not just the metallurgist. He's also the fire. You see that? In verse three, look at verse three again. He's the refiner. But in verse two, he's the refiner's fire. He's both, the, he's both the subject and the catalyst of our redemption. God doesn't, God's not up here like, you know, zapping, you know, oh, you, you know, hey, Aaron, Aaron's not paying attention to me. You know, let me get him, in, I'm gonna put him in a car wreck so he'll start listening to me more. God's not like that. That's not the God who we serve. God is right there in the middle of the fire with you. God is the fire. God, whatever, whatever pain or discomfort you're going through, we're going through. And this, find, this theme, of course, finds itself right inside the heart of the cross where God is not zapping the human race from a great distance. God is becoming a human so that he can go through the refiner's fire himself. When we ask God to come and renew things, we have to know that he's coming to renew us and he's doing it not to us, but with us. God's refining us because he himself is going through the refiner's fire with us. He himself is the refiner's fire. Last thing, once this happens, then he will fix the problems outside of us. Verse five, then I will draw near to you for judgment. I'll be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers. These are the people that you're praying that I will take care of. All the bad people, against those who oppress the hired worker and his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not, do not fear me. Those are the people that you're praying that I'll fix, right? Okay, so first I'm gonna fix you, but it's not just you, I'll also fix that too. I'm gonna fix everything. And that's our Advent hope. Recognize the sin outside of us and pray that God would take care of it. Recognize the sin inside of us. Acknowledge that our prayer that God fix everything is gonna, that's gonna be the, the locus of it for our, our existence. And then to embrace the fact that he himself comes from outside of us to fix us and redeem us. 
And again, I botched this up. This isn't in your bulletin. I apologize. If we were, there's one more line in verse seven that I should have left in there where God says this. Uh, so here's the line that's in, that's in our bulletin. For my statutes and have not kept them. Next line, though, which is not in there. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. So Advent is always about return to God. We celebrate Advent because we recognize that he's the one who can fix everything. And we spend these Wednesday evenings coming together as a people to go to him and say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. As, as a reminder that tomorrow morning, Friday morning, Saturday afternoon, this whole season, in fact, our whole lives, we should be constantly in prayer. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, and make all things, especially me, make all things new. Stand with me and let's pray. Pray with me. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. In righteousness I shall see you. When I awake, your presence will give me joy. Be present, merciful God, and protect us through the hours of this night so that we who are wearied by the changes and chances of life may find our rest in you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bless you and keep you. Amen. Joyful steps they spare, Savior to the